Welcome to the Become Fire podcast, a ministry of the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to learn more about this community, visit them on the web at www.becomefire.faith. That's dot F-A-I-T-H. Now, here are the Friars. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Become Fire podcast. It is myself, your host, Father Peter Teresa, uh, joined by my summer companions, Deacon, Elijah DeLello. Hello, hello. And brother, Paul Grobman. Hello, hello. <laughs> As always, please like and subscribe to the podcast so we can keep spreading the, the good word out to all of the uh, the airwaves. But we have a special episode uh, for you today as we are excited to talk to you guys about the Pentecost Novena. But first, I just have to say that I'm hosting and not our esteemed deacon because you got some allergies. You're a little stuffed up and we don't want all the listeners listening to your phlegm and mucus for for 30 minutes. No, this is an act of charity. <laughs> Let all who listen know how much we care about you. Exactly. Exactly. So we can uh, we can just jump right in. Yes. Because why not? What else would we do? What else would we do? I we, could sit here and stall for another couple of minutes. Yeah. Yeah. You could do that. <laughs> I don't know. So how it would be this episode <laughs> is airing uh, a few days before Pentecost. Mm-hmm. Um, and we hope that you are doing well, preparing yourself for, for that great feast, that great solemnity. But if you're not, well, you've come to the right place. Yeah. Because we're going to help you to prepare for uh, this great feast. As Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit, we thought it would be most appropriate that we would help you prepare for the Holy Spirit. So, Brother Paul, would you just tell us uh, what... Um, so, we've been we've been in the middle of a, of a Pentecost novena. Could maybe you just share what in the world a novena is for all of our listeners? So a novena is just nine days, um, and it's normally in preparation for like a big feast. There's like the, but then there's like a novena to St. Jude for like a hopeless cause. Um, but the Pentecost novena is the most ancient of novenas. It comes from when the disciples, after the Lord ascended into heaven, they went to the upper room and prayed for nine days. And so the church has carried that tradition since the Lord ascended. And so uh, we do that uh, with the disciples. So it is an act of kind of going away and praying. And there's uh, prayers you can find on, I'm sure there's numerous different novenas. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. But the the main point of it is that for nine consecutive days in preparation for the Feast of Pentecost, you'd be praying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And yes. that's all I got. <laughs> yes. That's great. Thank you. It's uh, the, You're right. It is the most ancient of all the novenas. Sorry, I was looking for a Bible and I couldn't find one. I don't know what sort of... What kind of religious... I was going to say, what kind of... What sort of office, <laughs> office of religious priests is this? There's no Bible in the room. Uh, Plenty of commentaries, but no actual <laughs> word of God. So, as yeah. So, this is the most ancient novena. So, we're, we're joining Our Lady. We're joining the apostles in the upper room, preparing for the Holy Spirit. Uh, Deacon Elijah... Would you be so kind as to read for us um, from Acts of the Apostles about the coming of the Holy Spirit and and just maybe that that first Pentecost and we can just kind of start from there and reflect on that? I can do that. So we're in uh, Acts chapter two, 
And this is after Acts chapter one. That is correct. But in before <laughs> Acts chapter three. That's right. But in, <laughs> in the book of Acts. <laughs> we are scholars of the word here. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first, the first uh, chapter of Acts is the ascension, just to give a little context here. So chapter two, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound came from heaven, like the rush of a mighty wind. And it filled all the houses where they were sitting. Excuse me. It filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributed and resting on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one heard them speaking in his own language. And they were amazed and wondered saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language, Parthians and Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. So perhaps we've heard this story, this account of the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost many times. And I just want to invite us and maybe our listeners as well to maybe just approach the, the, the story new and afresh and, and just kind of put ourselves in our scenes, uh, in, in the scene itself, um, and maybe just kind of concretize it for people. I think so, so many times we can approach the biblical narratives, the biblical stories as something way far away, history, or almost something sensational and fictionalized, like, you know, a movie or something like that. But, but this actually happened. Um, and I'm just kind of like, I'm curious in your guys' perspective on on what you think that experience would have been like just watching our Lord ascend and then for nine days just showing up to the upper room and praying. And then all of a sudden there is this dramatic, dramatic event where the room shakes, uh, a mighty rushing wind comes in. All of a sudden you're looking around at these 12 guys and it looks like there's fire on their heads. And, and just maybe share what what you think that experience would have been like all, uh, in, in, that, in that situation. I guess it's interesting to think about that even after the Lord died, that a lot of the disciples were like, okay, like, what do we do now? Like they're all kind of hiding away and stuff. And you even have doubting Thomas. Um, and so I wonder if they really knew what the Lord meant by like, I'm going to send you the spirit. Like I'm going to send to the father. Like, and then obviously like how, how, how dazzling was the ascension? I don't know. You know, it was yes. like, God, I, did, did the heavens open up like on his baptism? Like right. were there <laughs> angels accompanying him? Like, did he just kind of disappear? Like, did we really don't know. Um, but I like to imagine that the, the disciples still like, obviously are uh, kind of 
have a deeper faith after seeing the Lord arise and maybe have greater confidence in just hearing his words and trusting that what he says will come true. But I like to believe that there really was still like this unknown. So there's great anticipate anticipation. And then I also wonder, I'm also just giving my musings of like what I wonder as well when I think about the passage. Um, I wonder what it was like in Jerusalem at that time. Hmm. So it's 50 days after the resurrection. Is there still like, is there still some heat kind of being thrown their way by like some of the leaders and stuff like that? Is there a commotion with like the Roman officials? And so like how joyous are they in that upper room? Or is it like we're kind of like hiding out for nine days while we're praying? Was it more penitential in a sense as they're awaiting that? And then also, why are there 3,000 people outside of the house <clears throat> is also something that I've wondered. <laughs> like, it's interesting that they're all praying in there and they walk outside and there's like a huge crowd of people. <laughs> um, and so it's just interesting how those all like come together and stuff. Mm-hmm. So those are kind of my, maybe more questions, I guess. No, for sure. It, it, we, you raise an interesting point. Like what, what was sort of the, the tenor of Jerusalem like? during that time because we know that our Lord was around for 40 days and he's appearing to people and he's obviously teaching them and explaining things to them. And so, you know, for 40 days, they're like having all of these encounters with the Lord. And John even alludes to the fact that like the books could not even fill, Mm -hmm. you know, all of the, the wonderful things that the Lord has done and shown us. And we just have a few of those encounters, those resurrection encounters. And then those nine days of just like waiting. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that, that is an interesting thought. Like what was, what was that time like? You know, that's very, very interesting. Yes. Um, a, lot of, a lot of thoughts. Um, but I think one of the things, just a theme for myself, um, if I can maybe just share that a little. Uh, but, you know, we've had in the gospels the last few weeks, uh, the gospel of John and a lot of the Lord, you know, during his time before the passion, preparing his, his apostles for the time when he would go into his passion and then, you know, eventually be taken up. Um, and he tells them a lot about the Holy spirit. Uh, and, and he says that, you know, I will send you another advocate, another counselor to be with you. And, and he will be the spirit of truth. He will lead you into to all truth. Um, and then he says also, you know, in John 16, that there are many things that I cannot tell you now because because you cannot understand them. Uh, but when the Holy Spirit comes, then he will reveal to you all truth. And so kind of to echo a little bit what Brother Paul was saying, it's it's like there's, you know, this, this almost traumatic experience of watching Jesus uh, taken from them. Um, and then he's crucified, he dies, he's, he's in the tomb for three days. And they're gathered in the upper room, you know, in the meantime, but they're, they're in trembling, they're in fear. Um, because of the Jews and, and, you know, being known to be associated with Jesus as his followers. Um, but then when the Lord appears to them and he says, peace be with you, and he breathes upon them, he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And so there's like this time in between um, the actual nine days uh, where they're preparing for the Holy Spirit and when the, when the Lord arises, which is, you know, the, leading up to the ascension where, you know, we only have a little bit of what the Lord says in the beginning of Acts, but you know, preparing them even further um, for when He would ascend, and then it's time for them to go out and carry out um, their mission, their part through the power of the Holy Spirit. But all that to say, it's it's beautiful to read because it's 
it's like all of the things that they were getting partially, you know, the things that they had all of these questions about, like when the Holy Spirit comes, it's like so many of those answer, uh, answers come as well. Mm. Like so many of those things that they were trying to figure out or see, or um, even again, I think it's in, in John uh, 16, where, where the Lord says, you know, um, in a little while and you will not see me, and yeah. then a little while and then you will see me. Um, and just praying with that myself. And it's, yeah, there's a literal truth where he was saying, you won't see me because literally I'll be taken from you and literally I will be right. in the tomb. But it seems like there's also a spiritual truth to that where like in the Holy Spirit, you will really see me. You will really see who I am, the Messiah, the King of Kings. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and being confirmed in that, you will preach that with all the more conviction, which is why Peter, right after receiving the Holy Spirit, Peter is able to open the scriptures um, go through the the Old Testament, go through the prophets, go through, you know, the Psalms, and 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 see Christ in that in them, um, and interpret those in his first sermon, um, and speak with conviction. And there's this veil that's that's lifted in the Holy Spirit, and he's able to uh, call these these three thousand people to faith in Jesus. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm just astounded uh, at the the revelation and the truth and the power of the Holy Spirit and, and how necessary the Holy Spirit is for us to really yeah. see and understand and come to faith uh, in the Lord. Uh, and, and especially the way that he, he worked through those who are gathered in the upper room. <clears throat> Amen. As Franciscan friars of the Holy Spirit, we have a particular love and devotion to the Holy Spirit. And, I'm probably going to open up a can of worms with this question, but we're just going to we're just going to go for it. Just get a little wormy, get a little squirmy here. Okay. So <clears throat> we, I mean, the, the most one of the most basic tenets of our faith is that we believe in one God, uh, who is three persons: Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, and so that the Holy Spirit is one of the persons of the Trinity. And yet, I think that the Holy Spirit of all of the persons is the most easily to depersonalize that, you know, the, his, the way that the Holy Spirit is revealed to us in scriptures is through these more natural signs. So even at Pentecost, the, there are tongues of fire symbolizing the Holy Spirit that on the apostles, there's this mighty rushing wind uh, entering the room and, and shaking it. Uh, our Lord himself likens the Holy Spirit to, to, to rivers of, of living, flowing water springing up from within the depths of our hearts and souls. And in, in, in our Lord himself even says that, that we will then receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And so it's easy to think of the Holy Spirit as this sort of power you know, we're sort of inundated with our, our, our new myths, you know what I mean? We can, especially, you know, like Star Wars, like the force or, you know, like some superpower, like a superhero is going to it's get like an infinity stone. <laughs> yes. Like, like an infinity stone from the Avengers or something like that. And, and now the Holy spirit is just sort of this thing, this gift that has given me this object that then allows me to do really cool Christian things, whether they be ordinary or extraordinary. And so I'm wondering, you know, as we're preparing for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you know, even that 
verb outpouring, you know, makes him like oil or water. And as we're preparing maybe to receive the Holy Spirit, encounter the Holy Spirit, maybe meet the Holy Spirit, um, what are some ways in, 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 in your own devotion to this person of the Trinity that, that you have found helpful to really encounter the person of the Holy Spirit and not just an abstraction, if that makes any sense? It's a long-winded question. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I think that I just, just to go off a little bit of what you were saying, that there's a lot of things going through my head right now. So sometimes that could be- It was a can of worms. It we could be dangerous it. sometimes though, Father, you know, when there's many things going through your, your head. Your head is also a can of worms. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it does, does feel like a can of worms. Yes. Um, and it, yes. <laughs> but- <clears throat> Um, just the, even the word power, um, cause it's not wrong. It's not wrong to say that the, that the Holy Spirit is the power of God, you know? And, and in a particular way, again, I think about John's gospel, uh, the beginning that, that, uh, to those who believe he gave the power to become the, the, the children of God. And so you cannot be a child of God, uh, in the most perfect sense, which is adopted child of God partaking in the in the divine nature, uh, as St. Peter says, without the Holy Spirit, that um, what does it mean to, to have power, but the, the ability to do something? And so we, we cannot be children of God without mm. the Holy Spirit. So, um, but at the same time, um, just speaking from my own experience, I remember, you know, just getting into the charismatic renewal when I was younger and going through my own conversion and, um, really encountering the Holy Spirit's power and, and some, I guess, more external ways, you know, like seeing him working signs and wonders and miracles, seeing people receive healings. Um, some of the, you know, consolations that would come with, with doing praise and worship and, and doing that kind of prayer. But that as I have grown in the spiritual life, seeing how important the person of the Holy Spirit is for holiness, Hmm. Um, how important he is for the thing that we were made for, which is union with God, intimacy. And, um, you know, our faith, our faith is always being tested and the Lord is always calling us deeper. And so that means that things that we know at one stage in our life needs to be purified and needs to be grown. <clears throat> and so um, just in, in this last season of my life, and I know that, you know, as, as long as the Lord is still working in me, it has to go deeper and deeper, but mm -hmm. um, really knowing and, and getting to know at a deeper level who he is in, in and of himself um, and asking him to reveal himself in that way um, and coming back to some of the primary things which we receive at our baptism and confirmation, which, which are the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you know, the sevenfold gifts of the Holy Spirit, which we'll talk about in the novena, but that it's through those gifts of the Holy Spirit um, that the Holy Spirit can move us, that he can make us docile to him. Um, and there's almost like this dance that you do mm. in, the, in the spiritual life with the Holy Spirit, where the more you yield to him, the more that he can move within you and the more that you can move with him. Um, you know, as, as Paul says, you know, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And that's true freedom to be able to move with the spirit as he is moving. Um, 
but yeah, just to know him at a deeper level, to, to know him at a heart level, to know him interiorly um, as the person of the Trinity who, you know, St. Thomas says, you know, a proper name for the Holy Spirit is love. Mm-hmm. You know, to know him in that intense and, and deeper way as, as love um, come down to us as a person, uh, love personified. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think all that to say that, that the Lord's presence within us, the Holy Spirit within us, um, that really just kind of focusing on him and his person, especially in our prayer, um, that he reveals himself to us, you know, more and more deeply. Amen. I guess I want to hit on too, like if we're talking about like growing like in a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, even just to kind of maybe fl- like flush out a little more that you kind of, you brought up like, you know, the Holy Spirit appears as a dove, as wind. And so there's this way in which like mental prayer, like like all human knowledge start, arrives through the senses. So, you know, obviously like it's easy to pray with, with Christ in the gospels that we can imagine what Christ may have looked like and kind of go through with them. There's even certain is- instances of the Father speaking. Yes. So even then there's like this real personification of like a personhood, but we never really have anything like that with the Holy Spirit. And so there is a sense in which like in our imagination, it's harder to have like, a concept of the Holy Spirit, like just to engage in mental prayer with. Um, and, you know, it's even like, it, like what would it look like to try to like imagine praying with the dove, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, it's like, okay, this still feels like a little impersonal. Um, and so when we take it on the level of like person, I always imagine it in the sense of like, every person has like a presence. And so, you know, like, uh, you know, I remember like being a kid and I could like tell when my mom walked in the room mm-hmm. and I maybe didn't like see her, but like there'd be like the familiar smell, maybe like the way she walks. Like there's all these ways in which he's easily recognizable without actually like visually seeing her. Um, and so I would say it's the same way with the Holy Spirit that in prayer, um, it's like really learning to be aware of like, what is the presence of the Holy Spirit? Like, how does it manifest itself to you? In the same way that I would say that, you know, I feel like I know when like Our Lady shows up in prayer, like there's this very tender motherly concern, like whatever it may be. And I think some helpful things is even just from the scriptures that we take um, to kind of like, what would the presence kind of like, what would it invoke within us? Like what's the emotions that, that are also then impacted like in the relational aspect between persons. So he's obviously like the comforter. Mm-hmm. So in moments of like, of, of distress, of sorrow, if you're ever in prayer and there's this real sense of like being comforted, that could be a good sign that like, oh, like the Holy Spirit's with me right now. Mm-hmm. Like being the comforter. I mean, even like, you know, even what Elijah was saying too, there's, there's real moments sometimes where we experience freedom. Um, like maybe it's a particular sin that we've been struggling with. Um, and you have this moment where like, where you don't do the sin. And there's kind of like this, like, you feel this kind of like, yeah, like I did it, you know, like, <laughs> and like, you kind of feel this movement, but it's also to recognize in that movement that what helped you to not do that is the Holy Spirit. Mm. And it's becoming more and more aware of that presence that's with you. And the final one too, would just be like, you know, the spirit of joy. You know, I remember even like, you know, Elijah talking about, you know, the, the charismatic stuff and like going to these prayer groups and doing the praise and worship. I remember there just being these moments of just, just ex- ex- profound joy. And then the once again would be like a sound like, oh, like the Holy Spirit's with me. Like, like it isn't necessarily, it's not always dour. It's not always suffering. Like there can be like real moments of joy. And I think that comes from that relational aspect of like being with the person of the Holy Spirit. And then I would also say, well, we don't have like scriptural examples of it. Like the Holy Spirit can most certainly speak. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way, you know, in, in imaginative prayer, you can imagine the Lord saying something like, I love you or, or speaking a truth to you that in the same way, 
um, the Holy Spirit can speak in that because he is a person. You know what I mean? He right. really can commune with you. Um, and then once again, because like, I love the idea of like, also in the, the aspect of like dealing with persons. And then because each of our listeners are persons, yes, that means there's a particular way in which you receive um, like communications, affection, love, whatever it may be. There's like something that's unique to you um, that the Lord has given you. And like the Holy Spirit wants to use those unique qualities to then speak to you. So like, it is like the most personal relationship. Yeah. Um, and to just be, just to, to allow yourself to become gradually more aware of that and try to like, just be aware of those movements. And then the more you can do that, the more you start to recognize it, the easier it is to like be in a relationship and kind of on, on an ongoing uh, basis. I, w- I would say for me that I find it, the Holy Spirit to be this kind of great counterbalance in the Trinity mm-hmm. where we're because the second of the person, second person of the Trinity, the divine word, the eternal Logos became incarnate, took on human flesh and became something we could touch, see, hold on to, um, use an imagination. Um, and then, you know, the father, Jesus reveals the first person of Trinity as father. That's a very, very familiar relationship that I, I can imagine and, and bring down to the human level. And so there's this movement of, of, of God coming down so that I can understand him and conceptualize him. But then the Holy Spirit just won't let me do that with him. And then he also is is revealed to me as these different things is like fire and water and wind and oil and dove. And so that, you know, what, what, okay, so then why is he being revealed as that? What is that teaching me about him and about God and where, where he's like wind? And our Lord tells us that the wind blows where it wills and that God will just blow where he wills. And I can go into prayer and... I might just be really dry and boring and, and God is just, and, and I don't know why God is doing that. And there might be moments where the wind blows and it's really, you know, beautiful and, and, and this, that, and the other thing, or that it's, it's fire. Um, <clears throat> and that you don't rush and get close to a fire. You actually have to like acclimate yourself to the heat and the warmth of the fire, lest you burn yourself. And so I can't just rush into this relationship with God, lest I, you know, I'll, I'll fall out. It won't be good for me that I, I, I gradually have to acclimate myself to, to, to God's presence. And the more I do that, then the more I can draw near and become like that fire. And, and so I think the Holy Spirit for me just kind of helps, um, keep, not, I don't want to say keep God on, keep God on a pedestal, I guess maybe that's the right way of saying, but, but he, he, he keeps the grandeur. He keeps the mystery. He allows God to remain God and then not just something of my own human projections. Um, and I think that can be, it's just very, very helpful. I think, I think, um, in our, in our trying to relate to the Holy Spirit. So Deacon Elijah, you referenced the novena and praying for the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the seven gifts being wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear of the Lord. Uh, Of those seven, um, which gift do you think that um, our our age, our world, our church um, are in most need of, of receiving from the Holy Spirit right now? All of them. Amen. (laughs) Fair enough. Good answer. Um, 
I don't know. Um, so my inclination is always to say wisdom, but I have to admit that this has been one of the gifts that I least understand. And it might be because I don't have any wisdom. <laughs> um, but, but listen to this podcast anyways. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but at the, at the least, I could say you should pray for it. Um, yeah, but that's right. But, that is wise um, in itself. Yeah, I, I, I think that, um, you know, a bibli- biblical figure like uh, Solomon was, was known to be uh, great for his wisdom and was... Um, was praised by the Lord for asking for the gift of wisdom when he asked, you know, what, if you, anything, you know, that you want, I will give to you. And he asked for wisdom. But I think also um, today, because, um, you know, I don't know that anybody is a, is a stranger to the, to the fact that there, there is a lack of guidance. Um, mm. And we so much need to, to really just uh, focus ourselves on the person of the Holy Spirit and ask for wisdom, uh, wisdom to be able to uh, discern the times, wisdom to be able to, to really see where God is, you know, and where he is not, so that we can uh, be very intentional about following the, the movements of the spirit and, and, you know, following the Lord wherever he may be. And I think it takes, it takes a lot of, um, it takes a lot of grace, especially today, to, to really stay rooted in the Lord uh, and a lot of wisdom to be able to, you know, beyond many of our years uh, and, and beyond many of our experiences, because so, so much of this is new for so many people. Uh, so it's, it's the Holy Spirit alone. It's, it's the gift of, of holy wisdom to be able to really navigate through so much and, and stay rooted in the Lord and, and do the Lord's will. Amen. That's a really good answer. I just want to like, like even the idea of wisdom too. It's also like it tells you how to how something ought be used. I think like the the kind of like classic colloquialism is like, um, like like the the person with knowledge knows that tomatoes are fruits, but the wise person knows not to throw them in a fruit salad. <laughs> um, and so there is a way in which like we're so inundated with with all this information and knowledge and. And even like conjure, like, and even sometimes we can have like these, like a, a set of facts with like two vastly different interpretations, whether it's in like uh, the political sphere, the church sphere, local communities, whatever it may be. And so the wisdom of like, how, how ought these actually be implemented? How should they be used? I know that's a great answer. Um, but for me personally, I think I would say that, um, you know, fortitude is initially that kind of way it came up in that, um, just the Christian life isn't easy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the Lord demands a lot. Um, and unfortunately, at least for myself, my nature doesn't always uh, love what the Lord has has asked me to do. Um, and sometimes also, you know, especially when it comes to like making it real concrete, you know, there can be real tensions even in the family with friends um, for trying to just be faithful uh, to the church, to its teachings, to to the way in which God has showed, shown us to, to live the Christian life. And so it does take a tremendous amount of fortitude um, to do those things. And even as simply, I mean, like, even like some simple stuff, like it takes fortitude to like pray every day, mm-hmm. like to, to persevere in that. Um, so there's just all these ways in which, you know, that I think this is an age uh, in which, you know, the Lord is asking us to be courageous Christians in a real sense. Um, to stand up for the faith and to be like a real uh, authentic witness 
Um, so, yeah. Amen. Just for the sake of variety, because those are th- certainly two of the gifts that I, I think that are, are, are definitely needed, but I'll say fear of the Lord. That was my second one. That was like okay. that was right behind there. And, and whether, you know, we, we take maybe the, you know, the one side of the coin of fear of the Lord, or that is the awe and the wonder that one ought to have before God. And, 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 and just cultivating that disposition, receiving that gift from the Holy Spirit to just allow yourself to just be in awe and wonder of God. You know what I mean? Like we live in a day and age of just advances and marvels and, and, and feats of, of human ingenuity. And, you know, what is the next thing that, that the, the human society is going to create and invent for us? And, you know, what is the next barrier that, that we are going to break? Um, but even then for, for all of that, that just to recognize that God is so more infinitely power than that. Um, God is so much more infinitely strong and, and even just to think of him as being infinite and just to stand in awe and wonder of that. And then maybe the other side of the, of the coin is, is, is just to recognize that um, I think we also, it's the temptation just to, to drag God down into earth and make him in our image and likeness and just slap on all of these labels, slap on all these ideologies, slap on all of these things and say that, that God is like this. Um, and just to recognize that, that God stands above all of those things and to have some sense of, of, of just respect and honor and, and, and fear of, of the almighty, um, and that, that one day you will stand before him and give an account of your days and you will give an account of all of the words that you have ever spoken. Um, and not to then cultivate this like servile fear of punishment, but to just instill just the. The, the honor uh, and the respect due to God Almighty. Um, and so I would just say, I think some the fear of the Lord is, is certainly uh, a gift that, that our, our day, our age, our society could, could use a little more of. Well, I think it's, I think it's also an Ecclesiastes where it says that, like the beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord. Yes. So that the two are really like tied together. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. that idea of like use of like how things should be implemented, you know, that it really does start. Yeah. And then you were kind of touching on like that hierarchical nature, right? There is something of like the primacy of God first that then like reorders all of your life around that. And it starts with this awe yeah. uh, before the almighty. So, yeah. so for our fun question today, uh, just very, very briefly, because we are um, worm brains. running out of time. We are worm brains, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, of, of the sort of natural images of the Holy Spirit that we were given oil, water, fire, wind, or a dove, uh, which is your favorite? A flaming dove. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of like a shoring over the water (laughs) covered in oil. (laughs) Amen. All right. Fair Uh, enough. (laughs) Um, so I... I want to say fire. I want to say flame. Um, Become fire, baby. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I can't, I can't, to, to be honest, I can't say that I have prayed a ton with the the images. Mm-hmm. Um, that maybe that could be something that I could do leading up to Pentecost. Yes. See, I've, I've also received something. You're becoming more wise. Yeah. 
Um, I have prayed with, um, with, you know, the baptism of our Lord and the, and the Holy Spirit sure. coming down upon him. Um, but yeah, I think what attracts my heart most is, is the, the fire. Mm-hmm. Fire. Yeah. Amen. I'm going to go, uh, I think wind has always been my, like the one that I'm like, I feel most moved by. And it goes back to like the creation account too, where like the spirit hovers. Yeah. And so like, there's a sense, I always imagine this with the wind, that there's always a sense of like anticipation, like mm. something's about to happen. And even like in Mark's gospel, like it says like all of a sudden, yeah. like, and then Jesus says this. And then, um, and then even in the account of Acts, I was just, just read and it's like, and suddenly there was a mighty rushing wind. Mm-hmm. And so like, there's this real sense of like, okay, something's about to happen. Like, mm. you don't know when, like the, the, the gust of wind is like going to come sweeping through and, uh, and just to be ready for it. Amen. I'm going to say oil because I'm Italian. Oil. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So we love oil. <clears throat> so uh, please uh, find yourself a Pentecost novena if you have not already. Uh, just dive on in and prepare yourself for uh, a coming, an encounter, a meeting, and an outpouring of the Holy and all Spirit. Of a sudden. And all of a sudden, uh, a suddenly with the Holy Spirit. And uh, Brother Paul, if you would please close us in a prayer. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. Um, we just thank you for the tremendous gift of this Christian faith as we prepare to celebrate your ascension and prepare our hearts um, for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We turn to Our Lady, who is the spouse of the Holy Spirit, asking that you would prepare our hearts uh, to be fitting dwelling places for your spouse, the Holy Spirit. As we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Become Fire podcast. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit can be found online at www.becomefire.faith. That's dot F-A-I-T-H. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit are also a 501c3 charitable organization. If you feel called in any way to give financially to their mission, please go to www.becomefire.faith slash give. That's becomefire.faith slash give. May the Lord give you his peace. We'll see you next time.